This is Career Competitor, and it is the podcast that believes we all have a competitive self that drives our optimal performance in our careers and within our lives. My name is Steve Meller, and in the past 15 years, having been a coach to high performers, Olympians, business owners, executives across all walks of life, I have come to find that competitiveness comes from within. And I'm going to be using this podcast to really showcase how competitors from all walks of life are finding optimal performance and have built the careers that they have today. Hello and welcome into this episode of the Career Competitor Podcast. And I am delighted to be welcoming in a fellow countryman today, that of Fiona Roberts of Beer Mindset. And Fiona is going to certainly get the introduction she deserves here in just a moment. But a few things to be on the lookout for within our conversation today. We get started by diving into why resilience is a muscle we can train and strengthen. Secondly, we learn how a learning mindset can ensure we move toward adversity. And finally, Fiona and I go into the power of addressing the truth in order to work more effectively with others. As you heard there, Fiona is the CEO of Beer Mindset, and you can find everything and anything you need to know about Fiona and the work she's doing there at beermindset.com. That's B-I-A mindset.com. And I'm just excited for this one. Firstly, as always, just whenever I get a fellow English person on, it's nice for my accent just to come through a little bit stronger. But secondly, Fiona and I share a lot of the same ideals when it comes to the impact we're trying to have within our respective worlds. So lots of good energy, good vibes within this particular episode. So with all that being said, I'm excited to introduce Fiona Roberts to this episode of Career Competitor, and I hope you all enjoy. Hey, before we carry on with this episode, let me bring your attention to a link that you'll find right there in the show notes so that you can subscribe to my monthly email. It's just going to give you some awesome insights on who it is I am, what it is I've got going on, and maybe there'll be one or two food for thoughts in there that can stimulate your process, get you to get a little unstuck, get you to take a little bit more action, and maybe get you a little closer to optimal performance as you start to shape a stronger version of your optimal self. Go ahead, click that link in the show notes so you can become part of the ever-growing email list that's receiving this awesome insight each and every month, courtesy of me and courtesy of Career Competitor. Now, back to the episode. Okay, our career competitor today is closing in on almost two decades as a performance consultant and coach, both within leadership and talent development. Her intentional approach to consistently establishing purpose and processes within her clients has led her in recent years to becoming the founder and CEO of Beer Mindset, where she and her associates develop the skills and mindset required for clients to achieve their full potential. This fellow Brit-turned-American-based entrepreneur has embodied the true mission that this very podcast was founded on, having come from the sport of netball in the UK and utilizing endless transferable skills from her athlete days into the career and company she's built for herself today. Joining us from San Francisco, it's my joy to be welcomed in fellow Brit to career competitor, the fabulous Fiona Roberts. Fiona, how are we doing? 
I'm good. Oh my God. What an introduction. Now I There you go. I build you up. I build you up. If there's anything you remember from this whole thing, it's like this guy can give one heck of an introduction. Exactly. That's what matters. That's what oh, matters. I'm very excited to be here and looking forward to, to spending this time with you. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's and again, I alluded to so much of it within the intro there. Like there's so much good stuff to bring in. And from from time to time, at least every sort of fourth or fifth episode, I try to bring in like-minded individuals working mm. in similar fields to myself that I'm in today because I just believe we've all got things to be bringing together that we bring the best out of one another when we have these conversations. I know there's going to be some absolute golden nuggets of insights that we're going to pull from from this conversation today. But I want to start with everything that's going on within your world at the moment. Let's talk about being mindset. Get yeah. everybody up to speed first and foremost. <laughs> What's the company all about in your words, not mine, in your yeah. words? And tell us a little bit about what you've got going on these days. Um, so yeah, so Be A Mindset was founded uh, officially, I would say, at May last year, even though I've been been doing this for uh, nearly 18 years. Yeah, I didn't, <laughs> so, mean to out, I didn't mean to date you before, by the way. Did know, you feel I that? Know. No, I was like, oh gosh. Yeah, sometimes I forget how old I actually am. And I'm like, oh God, <laughs> it's, it's been a long time doing this. Right. Um, so yeah, we formally launched um, sort of May time last year. I was fortunate enough to get an opportunity with um, one of uh, my clients that I was contracting with that then wanted to kind of then take me um, forward uh, as a sort of me solely. So that was um, amazing to have that opportunity. And then another another client as well. So I was like, okay, this is actually really happening. We are now launching a business. Um, we're a management consultancy and we support and help organizations develop their talent at the heart of everything that we do. Um, and that can kind of look like different things. So it could be around leadership development. It could be about talent development and succession. So emerging leaders, it could be offering um, executive one-to-one coaching um, to really sort of allow the time and space for for leaders to stop and pause and think about like where they are, the impact that they're having, the strategy that they've got in place, how things are working. So it's bringing together, I would say, the transactional things of what I need to do on a day-to-day and then making it transformational in terms of how do I bring people along with me? Because ultimately, every single business needs people to deliver the success right. and the performance so um really kind of bringing that people at the front of that, those things so a merge of people and processes how i kind of look at it um and then sort of underlying all of that is and this comes from my sporting days which i know that you will appreciate is how do we build resilience in um in people like resilience resilient individuals resilient teams and therefore resilient organizations the past few years has definitely magnified and shone a light on how important it is for us to be resilient Mm. things happen that we don't plan for there's adversities and there's challenges there's volatility in the environment across all industries actually so how do we better equip ourselves to deal with that and be proactive instead of feeling like oh my god I'm just getting my getting through this and holding on for dear life so I think there's like a an undercurrent of that resiliency that that falls through that um, in terms of like 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 I said the individual the team and therefore the organisation as well which I always find fascinating and really enjoy. Well, we can both agree on that. I mean, I, yes. it, you know, that I, we we have that, and we've had conversations prior to this just about how 
how uh, exciting it is to sort of dive into that stuff and to work with professionals on on some of these very uh, notions that you're talking about here. And, and just to go back over these last three or four years, that word that you use there of being proactive towards these challenges mm. and this sort of potential volatility, like that is the one thing that came out of COVID immediately was that, my gosh, we weren't ready for it, right? You know, right. Like so, so many folks just didn't know what to do, how to use their time, you know, and then, and then the big question started to really come in, like, who am I? Why am I doing what I'm doing? And, yes. and, you know, and, and it just created this like vast space all of a sudden where, as to your point, resilience was truly now being tested in ways that in so, in a lot of cases, maybe resilience had never been tested within their lives yeah. up to this point. But it goes, again, you, you alluded to the, the the sports background there too, is that we're so familiar with it. We just, we grew up with it in sport. I went into sports coaching and, and for me, it was about, in, in, you know, truly creating those cultures where resilience was at the forefront of what we were talking about and doing and almost enabling in many ways within the environment that we were creating. So I'm curious, let's let's keep it in the present to begin with, because I'd love to go back and talk about your story of resilience, but let's keep it in the present and talk to me a little bit about some of those common discussions that you're currently having around that very topic of resilience. It's interesting. So a couple of things just to like pick up on what you said, I think the last few years definitely shone a light on it. And my personal view and I you know I got there's some of my colleagues that might kind of challenge this and go oh you don't really know how resilient you are until you are put under adversity and get challenged I challenge argue against that actually mm-hmm. I think if we know what resilience is and there's a lot of research that's out there that shows that um resilience is something that we can develop it's not just something that people are born with it's a developable thing like a like um you know going to the gym and and building our muscles it's the same thing how do we build this resilience muscle so if we know that we can develop it and we know what it is then my sort of argument is if we proactively do things that mean that we're filling up this well that I've got this um like bucket this well of of being able to use it so that when something happens that challenges me I'm able to kind of scoop it quite easily and Mm. therefore be able to deal with it and it not feel so challenging or feel like I'm putting myself under unnecessary pressure I'm able to use those skills and attributes that means that I can you know deal with adversity perform at my best and sustain that performance without it feeling, you know, like I'm getting it burnout. And I think that that was something I think about it in terms of like from my, from sporting days of going, we know that we're going to be in a final. We know that we're going to be, you know, in my, in my sport, it was like going to trials to be selected for a team. There's always Mm -hmm. these pressures that we know about. And so we gear ourselves up ready to, tackle that pressure I think that you know day to day we get complacent of those things we're creatures of habits right so we just do what is automatic without thinking about it and then you know something then happens so it's kind of like if we look back at the pandemic everyone goes oh yeah oh it makes sense that we needed to build this or it you know it's obvious that this is something that we we need more of but common sense doesn't translate into common practice all the time and i right. think that <laughs> in business especially what i'm noticing is helping people 
transfer from common sense to common practice and helping them understand what does that actually look like day to day for me first and foremost as an individual to then help others build that too which then creates that environment that supports it rather than testing it and chipping away at it so yeah that's kind of some of the things of how do we look at it systemically is Mm. I could be really resilient but if I'm put into an environment that doesn't support me to be resilient and actually challenges me every single day then at the end you know at the end of the day it's going to take away my resilience because I'm scooping from that well constantly and I might not be filling that well back up that allows me to be at my best if that makes sense it it absolutely does because I'm as as you're talking I'm thinking like it's almost an ecosystem of resilience it's just like truly surrounding yourself and and when I start thinking about the work that you're doing I can't help but think about when you talk about talent development talent management there's that side of that too which comes with recruitment and now we're thinking about from a cultural standpoint how do we ensure that not only are we recruiting talented people, but how do we identify resilience in these individuals when they're coming exactly. into our organization? And that's when it goes full picture. That's the whole big picture. Hey, this is how we build culture. We build these these traits as you talk to that can be trained. And I think yep. that's that should be reassuring to anyone listening to this. Is like if you don't feel overly resilient in who it is you are and what it is you do, news is that, hey, you can build this. You can yes. train this. It's a muscle within our system. Exactly, exactly. And I think that that's actually quite liberating, right? Is that, you know, feeling like I can take a sense of control over this, I can do something. One, if I'm like, willing to raise my awareness to what's working and not working, and then make some choices about what do I do to fill that well up for sure. And it's interesting, something that just came to mind when you were talking about that. Some of the things that I'm starting to, to talk to people and talk to clients around as well is like, looking at talent, not just about skill and I think Mm -hmm. that the skill part of it is definitely you know an important part but skills can be developed I think what we now need to start looking at and have started to look at across the board is what's the skill that's needed but also what's the learning mindset that people Mm -hmm. have got that that growth mindset that allows me to put myself into challenging situations to feel be okay feeling uncomfortable Mm -hmm. to stretch that bandwidth and therefore, that goes what goes in hand in hand in that is I need to have resilience to be okay with putting myself into those things. So I'm resilient enough in knowing that this is a good thing and that I can thrive on it because I have this learning mindset that tells me I might not have this yet, but right. I'm willing to put myself into these positions to to grow, to learn because those two things balance out. So mm. it's now not just about recruiting or looking what internally about your talent in terms of the skill level it's also incorporating as organizations and it comes to the culture what are you doing that promotes a learning growth mindset and helping develop resilience which in turn will build those skills which then in turn gives you the performance that you're looking for which in turn then looks to create that sustainability over the long term yeah and and then again as you just if you kept going with that lot, that trajectory that you're talking about here, once you get to that point, you probably start to see an improvement progress around the entire organization. And the question becomes, hey, we've got a whole new laundry list of 
new challenges and new growth opportunities. And so now we've got to go right back into that system all over again, just like yeah. you would as an athlete going from season to season. It's no different in that regard as the, as the challenges and the opportunities continue to grow. Yeah. So must that attention that we put into developing things such as resilience. And, and you know, so much of what you're talking about here, Fiona, is, is character, right? We're talking about character. You know? yeah. And I think it's always been frustrating to me from the outside looking into these titles that we assign things when you think about the great resignation it really wasn't about resigning it was more about people just moving and changing right because people weren't resigning and like retire it made it seem as though people are retiring from work almost whereas when we use that word talent it's almost like we're actually we're not doing culture a particularly good service by saying that when we're making it all about the talent because as you and i know in in sport it isn't just about assembling the best talent. You actually no. do need to develop those characters uh, within yeah. the team too. Okay, and we see that. You know, how many times has the you know the person that is like that uh, comes out of nowhere and suddenly wins a medal or right. you know unexpected like moments of performance because it's not just about the physical skill. It's around mm. how have I been able to mentally prepare or manage that pressure? And we've seen it on the opposite end where we've got people who we expect to be the dead cert to win mm. and be able to, and then they crumble under that pressure because they haven't right. balanced that kind of the skill set of what goes on internally in terms of my mindset. Where do I focus? What beliefs do I have about myself? All of those things that kind of can wrap hand in hand. So, and it's the same within business. You know, mm. we we don't have we don't necessarily have like a you know a final race or a you know a world championship or whatever it might be. Mm. But there's the same things that go on. A big board meeting where you know we're presenting something where this could be crash or burn. You know, crash or burn right. or completely excel. And um, we've got pitching to clients. And you know, this is like we're we're trying to sell ourselves. And this is like whether they're going to buy us or not buy us. There's all of these things that happen on a day to day, and it's the same. Same thing that, you know, that we talk, that we're kind of alluding to is that we either see these as threats or opportunities. So Mm. I either see this as a threat, which means that I might not necessarily be thinking as logically and clearly about what my next steps are. And it invokes, um, so it makes me think of David Rock's research on terms of like the scarf model. So if I'm in that threat, threat response, it's probably because I've got, I think it's a threat to my status, which you just talked about in terms of mm-hmm. what my title is. Right. It could be a threat to certainty. I don't know what, what's happening or what the next step are. There's just like a, you know, a real gray area here, which then means I create my own story, which might not necessarily be serving me well. And right. um, it could be a threat to autonomy. So now, again, if I think about the the pandemic, I'm now not got a choice about whether whether I go into the office or don't go into the office or what that looks like. Um, then there's also relatedness. So how am I, how is this going to affect the relationships that I've got? And then the last one about fairness, do I think that this is going to be fair to me or not? Mm-hmm. And we can go one way or the other in terms right. of that threat or opportunity i can see where the opportunities are with all of those things or i can see where the the threat is and therefore operate from a completely different space which means that either it, it feels different and the result the impact on me and others might not necessarily be what we're what we're hoping for yeah and it's you know you, you you're taking that 
you know, fight or flight sort of concept. And yes. what I love about what I love about that threat or opportunity is it, it makes it something that's much more process and much more just it, it almost makes it more realistic in terms of hey we can actually sit down and have a discussion about this fight fight or flight is very sort of black and white it's like oh my mm. gosh either you're screaming in one direction or another you're either screaming towards the burning building or you're screaming away from the burning it kind of gives that kind of picture in your mind when you talk yes. about threat or opportunity it's like okay how do i feel under threat right now or how do i feel as though there's an opportunity in front of me right now. And it's an opportunity just to almost to sit and think and, and be with those thoughts yeah. and see it as something that you can be much more strategical about. But one thing I want to do here is I want to shine the spotlight a little bit more on you now because I've kind of <laughs> taken it easy on you so far. I've given you this opportunity, kind of, I've given you this opportunity to talk more about holistic knowledge and uh, holistic yeah. approaches and all this kind of thing. But let's get a little bit more Fiona focus here in the sense of, you know, when you think about your journey, mm. What I what I love about your journey is that you have this academic side of you that was sports psychology. That was where yep. you did your education. That was your focus. And then you've moved very much into the business world, but brought a lot of that psychological component into it in the work that you're doing. I'm curious, when you look at this term resilience, and, and just you can take it more generic and just say how mm. mindset has served you in general, talk to me a little bit about maybe some of that initial early career moments where you're finding your way you're getting your field you finish your sports you finish your education now you're in the real world so to speak yeah what role was mindset what role was resilience playing in your world at that point so there's actually two moments that come to mind around yeah. that I think the first one is definitely this transition from the world of sport into the world of business I never thought that I would necessarily be working in business if you'd asked me in like, you know, my teenage years. And I was very much in the thick of performance of sports. I mean, and I actually made the kind of jump into sports psychology is like I injured, I tore my ACL. So there was also this kind of understanding more about the impact of how we process things and how we kind of like help get over these hurdles. And so when I was in it, a netballer we either went down the umpiring route or the coaching route now mm. I never wanted to be an umpire because I don't like people shouting at me <laughs> for <laughs> unnecessary reasons and having unforgiving to jobs and unforgiving <laughs> yeah, jobs. exactly <laughs> like all credit to any referees out there. <laughs> so I went down the coaching route because it just fitted with me in terms of like my values of how do I help others be like perform at their best and what I noticed in the coaching was it wasn't just about the training skills part of it, like I mentioned before. It was also understanding like what was going on for people when, you know, they were in these defining moments. So taking that, you know, shot at the end of the end of the game before, you know, the winning shot or like being able to turn the ball over um, to, to, you know, get ahead of the competition, all of these things. And so there was like that started kind of my intrigue of, yeah. The psychology of it and so when I went to do my master's I was all set to be going down the route of how do I be an applied sports psychologist and then my world got opened up of hearing about an organization that was using sports psychology into business and I was like oh this is really interesting and especially at the time because sports psychologists were not 
a known entity when I sure. was when I and again I'm giving my age away a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I'll throw myself into the same age bracket. It was the same <laughs> yes, with me. It was the same exactly. with me too. Same it was kind too. of seen as a very negative thing, a too right. theory, too theory based, too academic. If you had a sports psychologist, it was seen as that there was something wrong with you. Exactly, like you rather, needed help, and there's something wrong with needing help, right? Exactly, right. exactly. This whole kind of uh, sort of stereotype of of what that was. And so that's when, when we were doing our masters, our like our um, professors were talking about this this company, this way to do it, and, and so that's what piqued my interest. And so what I learned when I kind of transferred over into this world of business was that actually it's the same human qualities that we're still applying to performing at our best. It's just in a different circumstance. So instead of being on a netball court or a swimming pool or you know a field. We're now looking at it in terms of being in a team within a business or how I show up at like that board level, all of those different things. So it was the same thing. So that kind of transition just opened up a whole broad where for me, it's not limited to just thinking about it in one specific area. Actually, this is the whole human side of development. Like we all are, we all are the same. We all want the same. We all need the same. Right. In different ways. So that was kind of like this sort of aha moment of opening up into business. And then I think personally, where I would say in business that I've really tested my resilience is there was a, you know, everyone knows the recession of 2008, 2009. Um, it hit organizations pretty bad and that we were no exception in the, in the company that I was working for. And my role got made redundant. And so I was, you know, I was going through redundancy. And as a restructuring, they were looking at creating a a sort of training arm of it, a management training arm. So in working more with middle managers instead of just at that kind of senior level. So there was an opportunity that was being presented of going, you know, client delivery. And this is the, this is a trajectory I want to be going on. Um, and at that time, there was not just my role that was being made redundant. There was two other roles. And these two other people were, you know, my very good friends, like best friends I'm still in, still in contact with. And we all were going for that same role. There was only one role, though. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of people... I actually think that the, everyone in the organization found it much tougher than we did. And I remember specifically how we approached it. Not surprising. We're all from sport backgrounds. So right. I guess we kind of have that mentality maybe. But I remember us sitting down and us talking to talking to each other and going, how can we best support each other through this? So instead of it being uh, put my barriers up, we're now in competition. It's how do we hold each other up to be our best version so that you know, we represent ourselves in the best way, you know, that, you know, it's, we are out to show how good we are rather than out, I want to sh- pick your weak areas and exploit those or anything. It was never, never like that. Now we never spoke about exactly what we would be doing in the interview process. So we had a whole day interview process and there was different things. So we never talked about the detail so that it wouldn't create that kind of threat response, but it was more around like how, how we were managing our state, how do we want to be, how do we want to represent ourselves? And I remember on the the morning of it, we turned up and we said to each other, we have to make this so difficult that they cannot choose between us. That was our goal, was like, we have to be at our absolute best today. 
And um, the end of the day, we're sort of waiting for the call because we knew it was just one. And it was an interesting dynamic because, you you know, you're obviously wanting it, but you want your friends to have done the best as possible. And we're all right. getting these calls at different times. And um, my friend Katie actually got the call first and I could tell that it was a really positive call. And I was turned mm -hmm. to my other colleague who was with us and I was like, oh, I've not got it. Right. It's okay. I can't. I was like, great. Katie's got it. I was like, oh. And then, and so again, in processing, just thinking logically, okay, what, what am I going to do the next steps? And then I got a call and they were saying, you know, oh, it was really hard between them. And I was sort of in my head going, I already know it's fine. It's fine. Right. And then they said, well, actually, we really couldn't differentiate between, you know, some of you, you know, the scores were so, so close. People were like, you know, championing different people for different reasons. And so we actually couldn't decide. And so what we've done is we've created two more roles um, to take you on on an interim basis to see whether, you know, this could be a success. And uh, yeah, that was what it started. And then within the within nine months, we were made permanent in those roles. So I just think there's there's something that you just don't know don't right. always accept just because right. you know we have this black and white thinking of oh there's only one role so there's only one thing I think there's there's different ways of kind of how you show up and how you present yourself and I think that that was one of the most pivotal moments for me in my career of really demonstrating and living what I believe in and what I talk to others about of like that like resilience piece so yeah. yeah it was a it was an up and down moment but it worked <laughs> out in the it, it, I mean, it really did. And, and thank you for those stories and those insights because there's there's two things that immediately stand out, one from the first and one from the second in terms of everything that we spoke about prior to that. When you think about that first awareness of having the ACL tear, figuring out where it was you're going to go with your, your education, your career, et cetera. Yeah. And to have this sort of heightened curiosity to around, I wonder what it is that's going on between the ears when handed and put in certain moments in, yeah. in these games and whatever it may be. And suddenly there was this curiosity for you to not see things at surface level, to just yeah. not watch a game and say, oh, they missed the shot or, oh, they didn't take advantage of that opportunity that they were put in. To actually then say, I wonder what's going on. I wonder mm -hmm. what's going on between the ears, in the mind at that point, especially let's say if this is a reoccurring a reoccurring behavior, a reoccurring yes. way in which that they actually do it. Like there's there's curiosity there to be triggered and to pursue when most people, especially at that time, today probably a little bit different, 20 years on, but at that time, that was somewhat going against the grain to say, hey, how about we don't just start pointing fingers and saying, hey, you didn't do what you were supposed to do. Why don't we ask yes. what is going on? And that's the first part. And then the second part, I alluded to that ecosystem of resilience earlier. Mm. And there you are, back when this situation was going on in 2008, creating that very same ecosystem between yeah. you and those two women and being able to say, hey, listen – why don't we just make this the best situation possible for all three of us? And if one yeah. of us wins, great. great. <laughs> and that means that the other two don't necessarily win, but it doesn't mean because one of us gets the job that the other two are somehow failing or, or no. not achieving. It, it, you know, there's it's it's fascinating to sort of hear that the very seeds of what it is you're now operating, the space you're operating within today were planted that long ago and you can actually see it even way back then. Yeah, it is. And I think... 
I like what you're saying is that that curiosity, actually. And I think that this is something that, you know, I help and work with leaders about is what are you noticing? Mm. And not just noticing, you know, the obvious things of what's said, but what is the unsaid stuff? Right. What are the things that, you know, the the little telltales, the, you know, the the things that actually are kind of indicators of what might be going on under the surface. Right. Um, and I think that, having that courage and I, I mean I don't I don't really like to say the word courage because I don't think it's courage I think it actually comes from a place of care of being able to call those things up at the right time and right. just have those adult adult conversations about it it would have been easy for the three of us to not have spoken at all about what we were doing and really taken that kind of you know, standpoint of not surfacing the things that I'm feeling about this, you know, that I'm feeling that this is, I'm anxious about it because I'm now being pitted against two of my very close friends here and also conflicted because I want you to be successful, but you being successful might mean that I'm not successful in that moment. And if we hadn't been able to kind of talk about the obvious, then what would we have been going you know, all of those emotions and feelings that are there that, you know, are dictating the way that, you know, we, we act and behave and how we uh, would have, you know, done in those, in that interview process, I think it could have really potentially been a derailer. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's the thing in, in businesses and, you know, with leaders and teams is we know deep down what's going on. It's whether, we are willing to have that conversation. And I think people brand it as a difficult conversation, but the paradoxy is, is that actually you're making it more difficult not having that conversation and allowing it to fester and potentially magnify into something that then is a derailer for not just that individual, but for the rest of the team. And Mm -hmm. so it's trying to kind of reframe and rewire what, these things are in a way that it shouldn't be courageous it shouldn't be something it just should be the norm that I have a sense of care and I'm noticing this about you what Mm. do I do what do I do about that Um, and and it's easy to and it's easy to bring it back around to the individual too is is for someone to say like hey listen you know one thing I joke about now with people is when they they say hey you know what do you do I'm I'm an executive coach and to this day people still don't quite understand what that is and I'm fine I'm very very comfortable for a long time they probably won't for a long time and I just stop talking eventually and go this is what I do I am an expert in helping people get out of their way that's that's what I do I help people get out of their own way because as human beings we are just phenomenal at getting oh. in our own way I mean right? it's, it's what we do as well as anything that we anything else that we do in life and so so much of what you're talking about here when you make it an individual focus is exactly that it's someone's willingness to say listen there are these things that I consistently do that prevent me from getting to my potential or prevent me in some cases from starting, just getting started on something, whatever that yeah. may be, if I can just sit down and have this honest inner conversation or this honest conversation with someone I trust that's close to me, I can get to the heart of the truth. That's what yes. I mean. That's what you're talking about here. We're, we're yeah. saying instead of dismissing the truth, instead of trying to like sugarcoat and present the truth in some pretty way where every no one gets upset yeah. about or it, or pretend it's just, not there at all, or pretend it's not there. Yeah, let's yeah, just say. Yeah. Here's a whole big bag of truth. Let's let's yeah. just talk about it. Yeah. And what? How do you feel about it? How do I feel about it? And maybe we learn something just by simply acknowledging and having a conversation about the truth. 
Exactly. Exactly right. Nine out of 10 times when we've, when we've kind of helped someone do the, I talk about it in terms of helping you do your best thinking. So Mm. do your best thinking to kind of think through the potential of what, what could be so that I'm prepared and set to be able to have that productive conversation where I keep it with, you know, in the present moment and sort of not kind of being led by emotion and being emotional rather than emotion, I would say. So emotional is that kind of like reaction and worry is that it means that, you know, and again, like I said, nine out of 10 times when people have talked it through, they come back and go, oh, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Right. Most of the time we perceive things to be more difficult and we fester on that and internalize it. And so we stop doing what it was that we should have done and then uh, but actually you know when we look back on the times when okay I I gave that difficult piece of feedback or what I thought was going to be a difficult piece of feedback actually the person really valued it and really appreciated it because it was a blind spot that they had that they didn't realize (laughs) that they were doing or you know it allows you know this is sort of bringing up something that, you know, people are not performing to the level that, you know, actually it helps us recontract what are those expectations. And so get us back onto the same page so that we're working together on it and not feeling like it's a, you know, a battle where we're pulling in different directions. So, yeah. And I guess, you know, as you, as people are sort of listening to this and thinking about it, think back, actually, the times that I've had these conversations, has it been as bad as I thought it was going to be? (laughs) And then, when it has not necessarily gone as well as I thought to, what preparation did you do to have that yeah. conversation? Right, right. <laughs> like, what was it that you wanted to get across? What was your message? Were you clear on that thing? Did you think about who is the person that I'm going to be talking to? Right. To think about how I might, what might be the best way for me to deliver deliver this? Hmm. If we prepare better or think about those things before going into it, then, you know, it tends not to be as bad as it was. And actually, we get a huge return on impact going forward um, for, for every kind of aspect of that. Yeah, and it's there's the strategical elements to all of this. There's obviously vulnerability, transparency, all these sort of things. But the, the beautiful part of what you're, you're presenting here, Fiona, is it, it goes full circle with this entire conversation is that you can just dive into that bucket of resilience, right? Yes. You can dive into that bucket of resilience and, and, and show up and have that conversation with someone that were it not for that resilience that you trained, that you developed over time, yeah. maybe you wouldn't have to use that word you used earlier, that courage to, to have the conversation or just to simply look in the mirror and maybe have a conversation with yourself that, that is essential at that point. Yeah, exactly. And I think is that, you know, taking even a, a sort of a deeper dive into that is our resilience also comes from knowing who we are, like right. what our identity is. What do yeah. I stand for? What's important to me? What are my values? What are the experiences that I've had that shaped those things that then help me build my own resilient recipe? Because everybody's resilience is going to be slightly different. So mm. yes, there's some core attributes, but the you know which ones are the more important, and which ones are the ones that I naturally have. So maybe you know don't need to necessarily work as hard at versus the other ones that I need to like pro, you know really work hard at to fill fill that bucket up. Everyone's going to be slightly different, but to know that comes comes to the heart of how well do you know yourself? How mm. well do you know who you are at an identity level? that shapes those things that then helps to form, you know, 
you know, who I who I am as a as a leader, as a as a team member, and what's the experience that others have when they you know work with me or we we kind of come across each other on those day to day things. So yeah, definitely, there's the, the back to the resilience piece, and then I take it that step further of how well do you really know who you are. Right. None of this is easy work. No. That's what I'm hearing. None of <laughs> yeah. this is easy work. And between between helping people realize their potential, talking about truth, talking about resilience, knowing who you are, you're actually just describing my book right now. So I just appreciate I appreciate you, you giving welcome. me that segue just to yeah. be able to remind You can pay folks, me later. You can pay me later, yeah. Um, but before I let you go, Fiona, because this has just been wonderful and, um, you know, again, we could talk for two, three, four times longer. Um, but the, the the one thing I really wanted to get from you, because we are, we're, all, we're very similar folks and we do mm. very similar things. I'm curious in your perspective, when we talk about competitiveness, which is what this show is all about, Yeah. when you look at a day and, and, and it's a question I ask a lot, you know, you put your head on the pillow at the end of the day and you look and you reflect and you think, hey, from a competitive standpoint, was today a win or was today not necessarily a win? You know, yeah. how do you make that assessment? What what is that what is that approach you maybe take at the end of the day to say this one goes in the win column or this one that doesn't necessarily go in the win column? Um, I think there's two sides of it. I think there's the have I done everything possible in my own power uh that makes today great? Um, mm. you know to be transparent and to go for that. I'm not the most structured and organized, which is why I need other people to help me help me with some of those things. So I think it's around have I have I done everything that means that today I've moved things forward in that way. So there's something about like internally around that. And then there's of course the obvious external things of like, you know, have we won more clients or have we delivered a really great job for our clients? You know, what's the impact that we're having? Have I, you know, been able to um network and create more con- all of those different things? But for me, it's not just pacing it on those on those outputs, because I think that that could be uh, you know, again, where it sort of challenges our belief is where I put everything invested on like what I've achieved as an outcome, rather mm. than reflecting again on that internal thing of what have I done that has put myself in those best positions. If I haven't won a particular contract or we weren't successful with a proposal that we put in. Can I hand on heart say, well, I did everything, I did everything possible like to make that? Or did I leave everything to the last minute? Was, you know, running around ridiculously trying to trying to sort of corral that, which again, there I go, well, look, those are some things where I can move on. So for me, it's kind of reviewing like what really well and what could I do to improve that and get and get better. Um that is for me, is that always trying to yeah, lean into the curiosity of what can I learn, and you know, it's not always gonna, it's not always going to to happen, and really, actually, to believe that something is gonna stick, something right. will, you know, something will happen. I I truly believe in like what we, what both of us do as yeah. a a job, a career, a, you know, how we help other people. I really believe it can make it makes a difference. So mm-hmm. I have to remind myself of that too of like look everything that I'm putting out is because I believe in it and if it comes to a day when I put my head on the pillow and goes do you know what this is just all like this is just rubbish I don't believe in it then I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing (laughs) right right well I I don't think that day is coming anytime soon if ever no uh, I I just really appreciate all the insight the time the generosity of, of everything you brought to the this episode and 
before I let you go, where can we find out more about you, about being mindset? What what does everybody need to know? Um, so I've got a website which is uh, beermindset.com. So beer is B-I-A. Um, and then um I'm on LinkedIn as well. And people can feel free to to reach out and email me. So my email is Fiona at beermindset.com. Awesome. I had to think about then what was my email <laughs> <laughs> that's great stuff and i appreciate again i appreciate the time um i don't think this will be the last we hear of you on on the show i think i'll be inviting you back on at some point down the road Amazing. but in, until then uh again thanks for the time cheers as we say in the uk cheers. oh wait cheers. I've, got, I've got very british tea so cheers. you got your tea i failed today and i only brought my coffee so uh so you're winning on the the british count but uh yeah. Again, appreciate the time, Fiona. Thanks so much for coming on. No, thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Career Competitor. And before you leave, be sure to take advantage of your free one-time discovery call with me to see how I can be of service to you as a coach or potentially even your team. Depending on what it is you're looking for at this point within your career, I want to be able to serve you with 30 minutes of my time to see how I can be of use to you and help you on your path of continued growth towards your optimal self in order to find optimal performance. Be sure to reach out to me, steve at careercompetitor.com or just head to the website careercompetitor.com. I look forward to connecting with you soon and bye for now.